This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome. To another edition of the Parastyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined alongside Connor Morissette, a.k.a. Triple Double. Thank you for listening across the podcasting network. And if you're watching us live or on the replay on YouTube, over our YouTube channel uh, at Inside Troy, we appreciate that very much. We will be, we are live. It's a uh, Wednesday afternoon, starting this one at 1 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're watching live, you're in the chat. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Put your questions in there. Put question up front. I'll start and look at it later. If you have a funny comment that I'm able to put up on the screen, I'll do that as well. And we would love for you to smash that like button and subscribe uh, to the channel so you know when we're going live. Hit that little bell, which is a notification. We appreciate uh, when you do that. And we appreciate when you write into the show. We have a lot of email questions today, Connor. Podcast at uscfootball.com. I don't know if you if you realize, but USC lost to Utah for the fourth straight time. Uh, over the weekend. So fans are not happy, but we hear a lot of that. We got a bunch of voicemails to get to too. 424-254-9141 is the number uh, over there. So uh, if you left a voicemail, we will play it for you. And then um, if you happen to have that Apple podcasting app, leave us a five-star review. Uh, We love those and it does help to grow the show. Uh, Yeah. Uh, How you guys doing? Everyone out there. Hope you guys are well. Connor, how are you doing? I'm great. I thought you were asking me that at first. Uh, you too. Like <laughs> we got, like we got fit. our buddy George in the chat is. Uh, he says, uh, "Let's see, hi Ryan and Connor." Uh, YouTube like number two today, so thank you, thank you for liking the stream. Uh, it's good to see you guys. So uh, a lot of people in the chat already. So thank you uh, for that, and uh, thank you, Connor, for for being here. I know you're getting ready to head over to to practice. My pleasure. We'll see if Lincoln Riley's back today. Yesterday, the USC representative who told us that he was not going to be there due to illness said it's day-to-day, so I guess he could be back. Could not. We'll see. We'll get to the bottom of that today, but interesting that he hasn't been there and hope everything's all right with him. Yeah, hopefully everything's okay. That is the sort of you know, kind of breaking news that uh, USC hadn't had a head coach for the last couple of games, or last couple of practices, not games. Uh, excuse me for that. But yes, uh, like Connor said, Lincoln Riley was not out at practice. Definitely had a different feel to it, I guess. Um, it, it's been weird after the two losses because, you know, at Notre Dame, they didn't bring any players out outside of Caleb Williams and uh, Jalil Muhammad. 
and they wasn't they didn't speak very long. Muhammad never got any questions, so we heard a couple questions from Caleb, and then mostly from Lincoln Riley. And then after the Utah game, it was only Lincoln Riley, no players at all. So that there's kind of a weird feel to it. He had a, he had like a cough or something before he went on, and then uh, boom, we find out Tuesday right before practice, uh, no Lincoln Riley. He wasn't there yesterday. He's at home. Uh, doctor's orders. Um, Dennis Simmons, the outside receivers coach, is uh, acting head coach for right now. He spoke after practice. We'll kind of get into what he had to say. Uh, they're trying to get uh, going through compliance to get Cliff Kingsbury as one of the assistants. So if you, know, you can have 10 full-time coaches, if one of them can't do their duties, someone else can step in and kind of take that on-field role. So they're looking to get Kingsbury to do that. Um, and I don't know why they would mention that if they didn't anticipate not having Riley for Cal, because if he's back, then you don't need Cliff to be one of the on-field assistants. So that to me immediately like sounded an alarm in my head. Like why, why even mention that if it's day to day and he might be back to me, that makes it sound like he might not be back against Cal. Of course we'll see, but I was just confused as to why they would mention that on a Tuesday. That was, yeah. Cause like maybe he wasn't going to be able to be a practice on Wednesday. So Kingsbury could do more of a on field role. I don't know. I'm not, yeah, that's kind of interesting, but I guess at least a contingency plan. If Riley can't make the trip to Cal, you would like to have another assistant. And if you have a former NFL head coach on your roster, on your staff, you might as well get him. And then Dennis Simmons, I asked him who would call the offensive plays if Riley wasn't there. And he kind of laughed at me and he was like, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So then that made me think maybe Riley would be back. I don't know. The bottom line is I haven't heard any inside information or anything as to why. It's all speculation at this point. We can only go with what we've been told. So there are some factors that make me think, okay, he might be back. Others, maybe not. We'll see. It's a big game this week, of course, after losing two in a row. you got to get back in the win column on the road, favored by 11 points against Cal, a team USC should beat massive spot for him after a bad couple weeks. So you hope you can have your head coach, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. This It's been it's definitely been interesting. Dennis Simmons, um, I would say, you know, kind of a quiet talker. He's not going to say a whole lot. He he took over this role a couple years ago when Lincoln Riley was sick. And all the Oklahoma fans like, oh, we've seen this before because it was a few weeks before Lincoln Riley ended up leaving for the USC job. So there was speculation that he wasn't out sick. He was interviewing and all that kind of stuff. Um, or I don't know if that was like known, but whatever. But that, that's what they're saying, that this was uh, like something similar. Oh, Lincoln Riley's like interviewing for something. But from everything we heard, there's some, you know. What would he be interviewing for on October 25th? No NFL jobs are currently open. That yeah. doesn't I, make any sense. I, it does, that doesn't make any sense to me. But it, there's Oklahoma fans that were sort of like insinuating that just because that's what had happened uh, before. Um, but, you know, wish him uh, the very best. And uh, we don't know. And Connor's going to head out to practice in a little bit. We'll know if he's going to be there today. We did get word from the USC spokesperson about uh, practice time, but nothing about if the head coach. <laughs> like, oh, by the way, is the head coach going to be there? Um, the uh, yeah, and and you asked Dennis about like player availability after the the uh, Utah game. He's like, that was my call. He didn't know. So like, he kind of gave some quick answers to some of the stuff. He's just sort of like kind of a placeholder more than anything. I don't know if you would describe it any other way, Connor. It wasn't like, I'm, I'm here to disseminate information. Uh, it didn't didn't feel like that. Yeah, the best representation of that, how's Lincoln Riley doing? He's doing better. Yeah. That's uh, it? <laughs> He's doing better? Three words? <laughs> so a man of few words, Dennis Simmons is, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But 
usually we get a little bit more from Lincoln Riley. It was a short interview. I didn't have too many takeaways from it. I, I asked about Cliff Kingsbury, how his role changed, and he said he's working more with the quarterbacks. But other than that, he's just as beneficial being here as he was when Lincoln wasn't here. So, yeah, not a ton to take away from him, more to take away from Alex Grinch and some of the players. But uh, certainly interesting. Dennis Simmons, if USC plays Cal without Lincoln Riley, will address reporters after that game potentially. So I imagine we might have to get used to it if this continues. Yeah, it's weird. So, and the the, the vibe has definitely been a little weird sometimes. Oh, so weird. It's very strange. With This is, I mean, thinking back to, God, it was like 2015, I think, whatever year Sark got fired, um, knowing that we, like I was on my way to practice and you start getting these text messages like, hey, Sark's not there. Sark's not here at practice. And you're like, oh, what's going on? And, you know, this was before the, you know, gets fired and all that kind of stuff. Um, that was a, just a weird vibe, but that was off the field stuff that Sark had done. This is, you know, this is obviously something different. But when a head coach isn't there, things just feel there, you know, everyone's going, you know, he is the Pied Piper. He's like leading everybody. So when you don't have that leader there, it just feels different and like not having Sark there and all that weird stuff that was going on and the rumors of Pat Hayden fired him yet or not. And, you know, eventually did. Um, that was very strange, but that was like you were Sark was expected to be a practice and was not. Um, and then in this case, this is, I mean, he's expected to be there, but uh, it's, it's due to sickness and not due to um, other stuff off the field kind of stuff. But it, I'm glad you felt it too. It just, being out there just felt weird. Everything was just like different, I guess. And then we asked Alex, Alex Grinch about it, and he goes, it's just business as usual really fast and kind of wrapped up that answer quickly. Whereas that kind of made me think something else was up because usually you just say, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird without the head coach here, but we're, we're still doing okay. He, he just, the way he was so matter of fact about it and almost like it was a rehearsed answer made me think, you know, why even bother rehearsing something like this? What, does that mean what what's your end goal what with with trying to just have a quick response and then not get to it maybe they just don't want to you know reveal anything i guess that would make sense but just his answer too made me think like what is going on yeah there was and and the players were seem kind of upbeat we'll get to all that kind of stuff uh we want to talk about what alex Grinch said you wrote a good column about what he said or didn't say um Cade gave us a super chat so thanks for that he says I came here to say bravo to Connor for that instant analysis after the game. <laughs> was so good, it made the loss less painful. Nice work, triple-double. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, so he stepped in. It was going to be a shotgun instant analysis, and uh, Connor was I just like- shoehorned my of, way in. He was just like chomping at the bit. He just <laughs> needed, he needed to say something. And uh, I think he wanted to do instant analysis yesterday after practice, too. <laughs> so you wrote that column just like- Well, it, it didn't click with me what he said until after, like- I go back and I usually write a story about Alex Grinch every time he speaks. So I try to listen back to what he says if I don't hear everything clearly in the moment. And then that instantly him saying about the wheel routes, how that wasn't on film, kind of like got my attention. And then I tweeted it. Didn't mean to like pile on the guy, but then some Utah fans were like, hey, actually, we did that the week before against Cal. So what is he talking about? And then someone tweeted the video at me and I was like, okay, that's a really bad look. And then later on, Grinch talked about how the quarterback running Barnes, that wasn't on film either. They they weren't prepared for that. And maybe it was a formation thing because eventually, like, th there was just no way he, he could have missed that. So I, I, I think he probably misspoke more than anything. But he just said that what happened 
against USC didn't happen in the past, and it clearly did. So I just had to write something like either Alex Grinch made a mistake or he's not watching film right. Those were the only two logical conclusions. Yeah, and it was, um, you know, the question was about, I, I think for the most part, when you get, when you ask Alex Grinch questions, I think there's a lot of thoughtful answers. I think uh-huh. there's, a, and I feel like now, I mean, at the end, basically what he was saying was like, we're not where we need to be, right? Like they're, and they're not, you know, you're back in the hundreds with, you know, the defensive rankings and to, you know, he was asked specifically about having, you know, a freshman rush end matched up more than once with, uh, you know, a, a wheel on a wheel route, like what's going on there. And he's talking about like playing the percentages and, and all that. And then, you know, stopping a quarterback run. Cause it's been repeated that, you know, third and long quarterbacks run and pick it up. And, and Bryson Barnes did that. And it just, I felt like the answers from yesterday, from two, after Tuesday's practice, just weren't as good or as insightful as some of the other ones, just because it's it's almost like, well, there's no way to really defend it anymore. You know, and not that he would be defensive about it, but I think he would kind of give you, um, you know, what he felt like really went wrong. And I don't know if he just didn't know what to say or just wasn't going to be like, well, the players stink or so. I'm not sure. But, you know, last year you could talk about players. You got better players now. There's only one way, there's only one place to point. And so I, it did, it, the answers felt different to me. I don't know if that makes sense. To his credit, he still said at the end, like you said, Ryan, it needs to be better. And he fell on the sword, acknowledged it. It's been two years of this. It's not where it needs to be, is what he said. So credit to him for that. But I agree with you. It did seem kind of off. And I think this all goes back to everything about that Utah game. It was either a pass fail game, them losing. Yeah, there were some nice moments on both sides of the ball. The pick six for Kalen Bullock was great. Caleb Williams' touchdown run was nice. There were some great plays in that game. Marshawn Lloyd had a nice run, but it was pass-fail. You either beat the team that beat you twice last year at home with their third-string quarterback, or you didn't. You're either a real college football contending team, at least for a week longer than people maybe thought after some games previously, or you're not, and USC proved that it wasn't. So Alex Grinch coming out and taking all those questions, you're right. What could he have possibly said? Utah tied their highest point total on the year in the game. USC allowed them to uh, move the ball at the best rate they had, the most yards Utah had all year. So it was a pass-fail game, and they failed, and there's really nothing else to say. That's why I made such a big deal about it after the game on instant analysis. You know, the season was one or two ways. You lose that game, not that the season's over, but your goal, you can't reach it. Yeah. And if you win, you're still alive. So. I like the pass fail thing. Yeah. It doesn't like, and I said this going in because people were getting upset at close wins and I'm like, well, the good thing is if you like get a close win over Notre Dame, it doesn't matter. If you get a close win over Utah, it doesn't matter. Like if it was, if it was 32, 31 and that was the comeback and USC got outplayed most of the game, but pick six and touchdown, you know, punt returned, you take it. You just say, all right, that's fine. Like we didn't play very well, but move on. But it was pass fail. And this was a fail. And, uh, you can't, I think what a lot of fans want to hear, Connor, is like, here's what we're doing different. And, you know, we tried to talk to the players afterwards. And like I mentioned before, I think there was a lot of, you know, sort of upbeat, like, you know, getting back to work and all this stuff. But it wasn't like, well, we're going to do an extra period of tackling. Like, you wanted to hear something like we're we're going to do something different, you know. And I didn't hear that. I don't know if you did, but it, I, I feel like that's what fans just want to say. Like, look, we see that there's been problems for a month or so now or longer. Um, why aren't you doing something different? And I guess, you know, it'd be a good time to hear from Lincoln Riley, which we couldn't do. We're not going to get answers from Dennis Simmons, 
But it's not like Alex Grinch came out and said, all right, we're doing this different period for practice to try to get this to be right. They, I didn't get that feel about anything like that. And the only thing that Lincoln Riley's admitted to doing differently the last couple of weeks is after last week, after Notre Dame, or two weeks ago, Notre Dame, he said, we've added a few more competitive periods to practice. He said, though, overall, it's not how we're practicing. It's bringing our practice habits to the game. So I don't think they're really doing much different at all in practice based on what Riley said a couple weeks ago because they think their practice habits are great and they think what they do at practice is good and for whatever reason it's not translating and that probably leads a lot of people to be frustrated why isn't it translating that's what I would ask Lincoln Riley if he was available this week after his comments last week so when he does come back I'll, I'll be sure to ask that question but yeah to your point Ryan what are they doing different it doesn't seem like a whole lot no, and I know and that's what fans want. They want to see something different. Um, we did have a comment, Touchdown USC. Any Trader Joe's recommendations? Since we haven't done our ad read yet. Uh, I do. I got some. <laughs> Go to TraderJoe's.com. Uh, it's funny. So I, I'm kitchen remodel. Then my fridge is going back in today. So I'll have water and everything hooked up to it. So I'm very happy about that. I could stock up with some uh, Trader Joe's. Uh, so I went over to the website to kind of check stuff going out. I love chocolate. I'm not a vegan guy, but if you are, or if you need, if you want to, you know, lactose intolerant anything, there's an oak chocolate bar with crispy rice and cocoa uh, uh, nibs in it. And so it's like a, looks like a Nestle crunch bar, but it is hundred percent vegan. So that looks pretty cool. No dairy in it. And I uh, got a lot of texture and stuff with the, uh, with the uh, crispy rice. So go check that out. But they also have a really cool vegetable tray. So if you're having a few people over, I love getting like making a little charcuterie board, you know, getting some cheeses and stuff, but having like fresh veggies is great. They, uh, if you read the the article on Trader Joe's that they really didn't want to have a prepackaged vegetable tray, unless it was really unique. And they, it is, this one is very unique. They got these uh, rainbow carrots in there. It's very colorful. So uh, Connor, you want to impress your girlfriend or something, put out this, you know, very pretty vegetable tray. And it's all veggies. There's no um, dip in it. So you can go to the, the refrigerator section and get whatever dip you want. Um, but yeah, that's a cool one too. So a couple of things you want to go check out at Trader Joe's. You mentioned the chocolate bar just in time for Halloween, of course. Yes. If you're a vegan, uh, if you're lactose intolerant. <laughs> I don't, or tall I don't or know if the kids would like that, but maybe, uh, well, who knows? Chocolate's chocolate. Yeah. Um, I know. I, was always, I would always tease when Keely was around. I always tease Keely because she was... Uh, with the gluten. She couldn't do gluten. And I'd be like, so you can't do dairy, right? It's like, no, gluten. I would always like make up some other, like, so you're not allowed to do, she's like, it's gluten. I'm like, okay, thanks. So, but if you're a vegan or you can't do dairy, you know, jump in there. I don't, do we have any lactose intolerant on our staff? I don't think so. I don't think so. You got a couple of non-caffeine uh, people. Not me. Uh, yeah. Like um chris doesn't do literally like soda or caffeine or anything well, you don't do soda don't do soda yeah um and and shotgun doesn't do sugar right now that's kind of crazy but whatever okay um <laughs> we gotta because well, we have a ton of questions and stuff too um anything else sort of like from practice yesterday because we'll get into a lot of the game stuff i think with our questions um but it felt like yeah like the players it just, there i think there was a at least some talking points that were given out Four and one in conference, still have goals ahead of you and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I mean, that's going to run out quickly because you got a bunch of tough games. Um, you know, Cal shouldn't be that tough. I mean, who knows the way this team has been playing? But it it felt like they were still you know circling the wagons, trying to get things. You know, here's the narrative. Here's what we're going to do. 
And that's fine if you figure out a way to turn things around and you're going to look back at like, wow, why do we play so so much like ass, like that, that stretch, if you turn things around and you get wins against these final teams, it's going to be really an indictment on what did you do in the middle? Because if you're able to beat like Oregon and Washington and all that stuff, you've really screwed up the other times. But if not, and like I know a lot of the people... USC is never going to win another game for the next five years. Like, okay, I don't think that's the case, but whatever. If you're the super doom and gloomer, um, there's no, like, after, if you lose to Cal or if you lose to Washington or something, you're like, okay, the, the, the goals of a championship season are over. But it seemed like there was still, like, this positive kind of vibe, which I guess you want that uh, going into this weekend against Cal. Definitely. I just wonder if people believe it. Everyone keeps saying we're so close, we're so close, but they haven't played a full, complete game since before the bye week. It's been, what now, five weeks of, besides that Colorado first half, above or below average for their standards play. So on Trojans Live, Dennis Simmons says we're close, and Sean Nua says we're close, and yesterday Alex Grinch says we're close, Lincoln Riley the past couple weeks, we're so close. Eventually, like I feel like the time's kind of run out. You know what I mean? I don't know how close you are if you keep doing what you're doing over the, the last few weeks. The, the time to improve was last week. I just go back to what I said on the Thursday show before Utah. That game was the season, and they lost. Yeah. Um, that's. I agree with you. Oops, sorry. What did I do here? And, of course, they're still alive in the Pac-12 hunt, and they could turn it around. But Utah, that just represented everything that you wanted this team to be. Get revenge on last year. They have their third-string quarterback. Can your defense slow down a third-string quarterback in a must-win game? And just across the board, they had some nice moments, but it was pass or fail, and they didn't get it done. Yeah, I think pass or fail is a great way to to put it. I mean, really, the time for excuses, the time for, we, you know, like when you're not playing well and getting a win, that's fine. Like, oh, triple overtime, Arizona actually looks pretty good. So maybe that's not so terrible. Like there's there's moments you can look at and say, okay, this is not that bad. But getting blown out by Notre Dame, not showing up, like that's bad. Losing to a very undermanned Utah team at home, um, that's bad. Oh, hold on. And I don't want to be the big doom and gloomer, but at the beginning of the year, if you told USC fans your quarterback will throw more interceptions than picks in the first two games against ranked teams and your defense isn't as good as it should be, people would say, okay, well, that sounds like the worst-case scenario. You know what I mean? Like. I didn't think people bargained for both things going wrong. I know I certainly didn't. I thought, okay, if the season doesn't go a certain way, it's not going to be the offense's fault. And the last couple of weeks, the offense hasn't been as good as we've seen it in the past. Defensively, I did think the team was going to get better, and that ha- hasn't happened either. The beginning of the year, if you told me the defense wasn't going to be as good as I thought, I'd say, okay, I could understand that. But both things kind of going wrong right now, I think that's another big surprise to a lot of fans, and I totally get it. It's funny. So we, uh, if you're watching uh, live on YouTube, my apologies. We did went we went to uh, silent mode. We went to a silent count. Oh no! For a, for a few a few seconds. So I'm so just like how the sausage is made. I can uh, I don't know if you. I'll put the overhead camera here. So I'm here. If you're watching on YouTube, and sorry if you're just listening on the podcast, but I'm controlling uh, on the screen as I'm talking and hosting the show. There's a whole bunch of different like angles, uh, camera angles, and things, and different pictures I can put up there. And I like accidentally clicked something I didn't mean to click, and I somehow muted the feed. So uh, you didn't get to hear us for a, a, a few seconds or something or a minute. So sorry about that. 
Um, the Spotify listeners will be all right, right? Like the podcast was still the doing podcast it? is fine. The podcast is being it's recorded. The poor YouTube people, sorry, the YouTube, YouTube people, people. We didn't get uh, we didn't get that for a second. So, um, yeah, okay. Well, anything else you want to get to? And then before we jump into questions, because we do have a lot, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about all this other stuff. Anything sort of on the top of your your mind you wanted to get off your chest? Unless you want me to repeat what I just said for the YouTube people, I'm good. Uh, yeah, we you guys can listen to the podcast and stuff. And there's some we had some lip readers in there, so you can put it in chat. If there's something you you read, Connor's lips, um, put it right in the chat, and people can uh, can jump in there and check it out. So yeah, we got oh like 180 something people are watching live. We appreciate you all doing that. Okay, so let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, get to a lot of questions. So a lot of topics. If you are in the chat watching live, put question up front, and I will start. We'll try to get to it as well. So back in a minute. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All righty, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Um, a lot of voicemails. Why don't we go to one of them right now? Here you go. Hey, Ryan. This is Terrence, class of 94, from High Point, North Carolina. Man, I don't know what to say about this team. Like, they are not good. Um, disappointed in the defense, thought it was Pretty ridiculous to give up a easy score on the first drive of the game for Utah. For them to score that touchdown made absolutely no sense. And, of course, I was disappointed at the way the game ended. I don't know. I, I just have a lot of questions about this team and, and which direction. Do you think that Lincoln Raleigh will actually learn from these experiences and become a better coach? Do you think he'll actually fire Coach Grinch? This team doesn't meet expectations and at least get to nine and three. Well, they've already failed short of expectations, but I'm just disappointed. Um, concerned alum and Trojan fan. Uh, want some answers? Have a great day. Thanks. And fight on. I think a lot of people 
have those same questions. And if you're Lincoln Riley and the year continues to go how it's gone these last couple of weeks, changes, of course, will have to come. And of course, it will adapt. That's what good coaches do. They change. And I know Lincoln Riley has seen sort of dug in his ways. Oklahoma fans will say he never changed. But Ryan Day at Ohio State, Josh Pate talked about this on his show on 247 Sports, just about how sometimes you got to make a change. The great coaches adapt. And if you're a USC fan, you have to hope Lincoln Riley does adapt if things continue the way they're going. And I think he will. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, he's still a young coach. Um, I think every thing you go through adversity gives you better learning experiences. You felt like when the team was winning close games against not great competition that you would learn from it, make some changes. They did not get blown up by Notre Dame, make some changes. I mean, they made a couple, but not, not enough. Still lose to Utah. That has to be kind of a rude awakening, right? Like you have to, you have to learn from that. So yeah, I, 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 pretty confident Lincoln Riley is going to learn from the mistakes that were made this year. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them and uh, opportunities missed. So yeah, I, I feel pretty confident there are going to be some changes and stuff going forward. Mm -hmm. And then just looking specifically at the defense, just to answer one other question, the caller had like, there were some really good moments defensively. Solomon bird looked great. Romello height had a great game, but consistent issues that have been a problem from the beginning of the season to now keep popping up. And that's, what's so concerning about the Alex Grinch defense, the linebackers, have not been good enough all year. That's a problem. Whoever's next to bear Alexander has not been good enough, whether that's Stanley Taufuo, who's undersized to be playing there. That's been a big talking point this week. Utah was able to have a lot of success running the ball right up the gut because he's a smaller defensive player on the interior. He can get pushed around. The second safety next to Kalen Bullock, if it's not Zion Branch, that hasn't been particularly good. I think the corners have been strong. Kalen Bullock's been strong. The edges on defense have been strong, but the issues in the middle have really killed you, and it's happened again and again and again. Eventually, you have to look at the coach. Yeah, it's one of those things where there are good moments, and I feel like when we talk to them, they talk about the kind of good moments, but there's not like mediocre moments. It's like, oh, you got a good yeah, stop, yeah, or it's point. like, or you gave up a huge <laughs> touchdown. You know, it's like you either like, oh, three and out, that's great, pick six, or you gave up a touchdown. There's not like, oh, we gave up a couple first downs and they punted. It's no, no. If they have any success on the drive at all, it's like all the way in. Um, so yeah, I think there's more positive moments than there were last year, which is good, but there's still all those negative moments and that's what you have to, you have to eliminate the huge, I mean, Utah's not known as a explosive team. I think they had 16 like explosive plays like all season and they had eight against USC, like depending on how you, you know, define it, but they were getting again, high water marks for, uh, you know, more than five yards per passing attempt, like than their normal, than their average, 16.8 yards per completion for for Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer. Like you can't you can't let some guy that's like not very good look like he's great. And that's what this defense did. So I think that's a problem. Yeah, and I know we have a lot of stuff to get to, but just to respond to you, Ryan, that's absolutely right. The awful plays, the like, how does that happen? Plays totally negate anything that's good. You can't run a defense like that. You can't be so, you know, up and down. You you gotta be consistently in the middle you, you can't if you have all these wild play, plays that's great but if you have all these back-breaking plays you're right back to where you started and that is the big issue you're absolutely right yeah all right uh let's go uh we got a text question nick from new jersey class of 2007 uh, a lot of the questions are long so i'm gonna do my best to read all these obviously a disappointing game yesterday but wanted to ask about some of riley's comments after the game 
I saw he said something in the effect of, quote, we don't come in here talking about a national championship every day. And I'm sure, I'm not sure where that narrative comes from. This quote may have been taken out of context, and I give him the benefit of the doubt, given that he didn't take over a national championship caliber program. But to say that he doesn't know where that narrative came from almost suggests he doesn't understand the program he took over. USC football isn't about being bowl eligible and winning the Holiday Bowl. The team may not be championship ready yet, but a championship culture is part of what defines USC football. Like many of the other great programs, Notre Dame, etc., and sports franchises. If that's not in the awareness of the team... Uh, from staff to every player on down the line, it seems there's something really off about the culture and direction of the program. Would be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Fight on and says, P.S., something along the lines of, quote, our goal is and always will be a national championship. And we have some milestones along the way to get there. Right now we're focused on the Pac-12, on a Pac-12 championship, and we have a lot of work to do to get there. Would have landed uh, way differently. The quotes that, the emailer uses were not taken out of context to add a little bit more to it. Riley said that, but then also said that's where you want to be. And that's where we're building this program. And at USC, that should always be the case pretty much. So he did acknowledge that, but he did say, I don't know where those expectations came from. And that's not as bad as the untrained eye comment, but it's not a great comment for a coach that started the year. Number five in the country. USC yeah. was number five. Where do the expectations come from? The first AP poll before anyone played any games. Caleb Williams winning the Heisman. What you did in the transfer portal. Of course there were expectations. So I thought that was a little bit of a disingenuous quote from him. And not the first time this year that that's happened. Yeah, there's been... he's uh, Yeah, I, I'm sure there's some things he said that he would like to have back. The untrained say. eye one. He is still getting hammered the for that. The untrained eye was really... I'm starting to... Even though I disagree with him saying that and I, I feel like what people are saying is somewhat warranted i'm starting to feel bad for him because people are ripping him for that just still hammered yeah there's there's uh i mean sometimes quotes around this beat like just live oh. forever uh there was one before your time i mean most you know uh someone in the usc um sports information department was quoted uh but was supposed to be an off the record interview but they used it and i can't remember what it was for but um, it was about like fans being upset at whoever. I don't even remember who the coach was. It probably was Clay Helton or something like that. And the the quote was about, uh, well, those are the $100 donors and like they don't matter. And that went on. For, I mean, that was used. So people still bring it up like, oh, we're just the $100 donors, not the the big time donors. It was it wasn't a good. Uh, it, I mean, I know the, the person that said it, they didn't. It wasn't meant for public consumption, but they shouldn't have said it either way. Um, but yeah, that one went, that one had a lot of legs, but this one I didn't think would have the kind of legs, but it's been, it's, it's been, uh, it's been used a lot. Especially so. when the defense just, every time there's a bad performance, it's like, well, I see that as an untrained eye. What are you looking at? You know what I mean? Like it yes. just gets, it, it will keep living on and on as long as the defense doesn't play well. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you just gave up a wheel route touchdown to a safety and he was playing as freshman defensive end. Now, it didn't seem like that's a smart thing to do, but uh, I got the untrained <laughs> eye. Like there's so many of those. You're like, yes, I mean, obviously that's terrible, but you know, whatever. Um, okay. Uh, I hate UCLA wrote in and said, hey, Ryan. What's wrong with Lincoln Riley not being able to scheme open our players? I can ignore the deficiencies on the defensive side, but Riley and Cliff Kingsbury are supposed to be offensive gurus. Why can't they get our offense open? The line did well, providing Caleb time to throw, but his downfield vision isn't what it was last year, and his throws are a little off. Thoughts on that, Connor? 
I think it's a little bit of having a lot on tape from last year. People can game plan for it, and then you'll make changes, of course, but you're not going to make these massive changes to your offense. What you do is normally is just what you do a lot of the time, and I think people, I don't want to say he's been found out, but it's it's hard when Caleb Williams has that tendency, Shotgun's talked about it, to roll out to his right and make the big throw, and people are taking that away from him now. So just when you put a lot of stuff on tape, sometimes that can work against you. So that's part of it. I think the offensive line, it was a lot better against Utah, but them struggling has led to some issues. But the emailer makes a great point. Even against Utah last year before Caleb got hurt on the play, he did get hurt. That was an explosive play. I don't want to say he he made it. It, it was an easy play, but he, he kind of made it look easy running for, what was it, like 80-something yards. It just hasn't been very easy for USC all year these past couple weeks, not all year, because you know, for a whole bunch of reasons and Lincoln Riley, he's kind of known for that easy offense. So I think there are a few factors, but, but they're my thoughts. No, it hasn't been easy. Yeah. And I think there's definitely, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors that kind of go into it. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where expectations from last year weren't as high as they are this year, how you handle those. I mean, not having Jordan Addison is, you know, he had a studly game Monday night, uh, in his first Monday Night Football appearance, I mean, he was he was amazing there. Just how good a guy like that is, uh, and you know, they often struggled sometimes when he was hurt last year too. So I think there's a lot of different kind of factors, but I think some of them are controllable, and USC hasn't done a good job of controlling them. I mean, it is weird seeing Caleb Williams being on national TV commercials and all this kind of stuff. I mean, he's not. People are like, oh, he's filming too many commercials. Like those were all done a long time ago. But, you know, is that part of the distraction too? Just that there's, you know, there's all this pomp and circumstance and and pressure really on Caleb Williams to perform and be the number one pick and all that kind of stuff. A lot of rumors get started just because he's well-known and popular. So I, I, not that any one of them would probably impact you, but just so many of them, I mean, it could have an impact too, you know? I don't know if the ads add to the pressure, but the number one pick and him being kind of anointed, I think, has to have some kind of pressure. And then if you do have a couple of games that aren't regular for your high standards, people start to talk. Maybe he should sit out the rest of the year. Maybe he isn't as good as we thought. And when you had as good of a year as you did last year, it's logical that there might be some small regression. And I think that's really hard to deal with, especially when you're a 21, almost 22 year old kid, everyone tells you you're perfect and then people start to doubt you, that's got to be really hard to deal with. Yeah. So I, I definitely see where that's coming from. I push back a little bit, Ryan, on the ads being a, a distraction. I, I'd say do as many ads as, as you got to do, Caleb. Make as much money as oh, you can. Yeah. But the people who anointed him, and I was probably part of it, saying that he'll for sure be the number one pick. That I, I can't imagine being in his shoes, having a couple of games that aren't as good for his standards, and then just people saying he's not a good leader, he isn't as good as we thought, I'm having serious doubts about Caleb. Like, you're still figuring your life out at 22 years old. I, I can't imagine all those voices, how he deals with that. It, it is a very, very tough spot to be in. People will say, okay, he's making a lot of money. I, I'll be in that spot every day of the week. I think it's just psychologically really, really difficult, and I do feel for him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the expectations, Chase from Arizona, he said, this season feels similar to 2012, uh, led by Matt Barkley. Both had high expectations. Both ended in disappointments. It seems post Pete Carroll era, anytime USC has high expectations, they crumble. Why do you think that is? I mean, well, p- part of it, I think, is that 
USC is going to get the benefit of the doubt. So you have like these, you're going to have these peaks, right? Last year was, you know, go from four and eight to 11 and three peak. Um, now you're like, okay, so USC's back. They're like national championship contender. Just like if this was like TCU, no one did that to. They peaked, but they, they were like, yeah, they'll probably be okay. USC, if you peak, you're going to be like, okay, now, now they're back. You know, when Texas is good, like, oh, Texas is back. And you kind of assume that they're going to be this national championship caliber team because that's the pedigree and that's the blue blood. You know, that's what the definition of being a blue blood is. But it there was a lot of problems with this team. And I, I give Lincoln Riley a ton of credit for fixing so many so fast. But some of it wasn't like, Maybe fixed. Maybe it was patched, and you you still have to build that kind of that foundation. Still isn't quite there, um, so I, I think that's part of it too. I can only speak to this year, and I think the team is really talented. But I might have been a little guilty of overrating them against Notre Dame. What killed them? It was the offensive line and Caleb's decision making going into the year. No one was even considering a, a bad game from Caleb. Would, Not at would all. Cause your team to lose, but I, I do think the offensive line in that game played a, a really big role, and so they just didn't execute. Against Utah, the offense had its issues, but the defense wasn't good enough. So in key spots in the two losses that USC's had, they've maybe exposed as too strong, but the offensive line wasn't good enough and the defense wasn't good enough in two key moments, whether that's coaching, whether that's talent, whatever. It, it hasn't clicked, and to me, I, I think it's a little bit of talent mixed with coaching, of course, but I think I was guilty of overrating them a little bit in the last couple of weeks. You see the defense wasn't as good as I thought. The offensive line wasn't as good as I thought. You can get mad at the coaches, but at the end of the day, that has a lot to do with talent too. Yeah, for sure. Um, why don't we, let's see. Oh, we got a couple, and we got more, but um, a couple of comments, I guess. Frank in Sacramento, he says, when USC moves to the Big Ten, they will hire an experienced Big Ten defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard, as well as a special teams coach. Lincoln Riley will say these changes were necessary with the move to the Big Ten. So he's not going to hire a special teams coach because then he'd have to fire another assistant. And I don't see that happening. His philosophy is we don't need one. And while special teams haven't been great this year outside of Zachariah Branch, I don't think there's anything that's happened for him to bring on a special teams coach. Now, a new defensive coordinator, I could see that. But that's another instance where I'll believe that when I see it. I, You know, let's not fire Grinch before he's been fired. Let's see what happens. But Frank's calling a shot is what he's saying. He's like, that's what's going to happen when they go to the Big Ten. So, Frank, I'm sure you'll write us if that does happen. You'll say, see, I told you back on uh, October 25th this was going to happen. So we'll see. Um, we also got a text from um, all the way from Athens. Uh, wow. Robert, class of 2000. Uh, it's kind of long, so I'm going to read this the whole thing for you, okay? Okay. Dear Peristyle, hire Phil Parker. That is all fight on. <laughs> So Phil Parker is the uh, Michigan State defensive coordinator. They don't have an opening right now for a defensive coordinator. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, I know fans will be really excited if there is an opening to play the name game and everything. And if it's up to me, if it keeps going this way, I think change is inevitable. But I don't think it's right to talk about replacements when USC still has a coach in place right now, but the results speak for themselves. You know what I mean? I don't want to be the, you got to fire him. You got to fire him. Exactly. We're just beating a dead horse. It's not good enough. And if Lincoln Riley doesn't make a change, he already lost a lot of the fan base by keeping the defensive coordinator this year. And now it's never good when the fans know something's wrong. And then what they thought was wrong plays out and ends up being wrong. And then you kind of have a lost year. That's what's happened. That's never good. And so Riley has to buy some goodwill back with the fans by making a move 
I'm not going to give them credit for doing it, or I'm not going to say they're going to do it until I see it. Yeah. Uh, we had a comment from Average Donnie. Takeaway Branch and the special teams have been terrible. I would agree. I mean, there have been some moments, but like similar to what we were talking about with the defensive side, and I've harped on USC special teams for years, years and years. It's just been uh, you know the John Baxter years where if you would get like – They'd have one good trick play, and uh, there was one I think they threw it back to like Michael Pittman, and he ran down the sideline for like they faked that you know they were going to catch the punt here, so everyone was running over here and it went over there, like that kind of stuff. You get those every once in a while, but there were so many bad plays in between and terrible plays and ones that were game changing kind of plays that it was like you don't need this to be a feast or famine thing, and they were they were famining a lot more than they were feasting. It's kind of like similar on the defensive side. He just wants some kind of steady play. So it's nice that Zachariah Branch makes a big play every once in a while, but you'd much rather like not have, you know, five of your six drives start inside the 25 because you can't get a kick return outside of that instead of just calling for a fair catch. Um, yeah, that, I think there's big problems here, but similar, like you would kind of point to, oh, you got this, the whole, that punt return set up the, the game winning or game, you know, the go ahead touchdown it wasn't game winning, go ahead touchdown. Um, but there were so many other bad plays leading up to that, you know, and I, I feel like, you know, average Donnie's right. It's just, it hasn't been good enough. And I'm not saying his philosophy isn't to hire a special teams coordinator, but I think you need to do something again, do something different because it's not working very well, whatever you're doing. In back-to-back weeks, kickoff return coverage has been a struggle. Notre Dame, of course, the 99 yard return that pretty much ended the game. And then Against Utah, USC goes up, I believe, 14-7. to And then on the ensuing kickoff, Mikey Matthews breaks a tackle and gets all the way into USC territory or right around midfield. And then they get the fourth down and go on to score. In a game where you needed to hold off any points yes. that you could, that was a, a massive, massive mistake. Didn't result directly in a touchdown, but it led to a short field for Utah. One fourth down conversion, and then boom, they're into the end zone. That was a big problem, too. Yeah. Let's play a voicemail for you. Hey, Parastyle Podcast. Glad to glad you guys are around. You guys bring a lot of insight into the games. I'm calling about uh, Utah's loss, the loss to Utah. I don't know what's going on with the team, but it seems like last year's offense is better than this year. The other thing I'm concerned about is um, Bear. I don't think without Bear, I don't know where this defense would be. And I don't see that we're recruiting any guys like Bear. But we need more guys like Bear because he seems to disrupt. I know he had a penalty and he got uh, disqualified, but he seems to be the one guy that's pulling his weight. <clears throat> he seems to get in the backfield and create havoc. And we need more guys like him. And I just don't see <clears throat> that we're able to get those type of players through recruiting. Um, and I hate to rely on the, uh, I hate to rely on the transfer portal. It doesn't seem to be working as well as maybe it should be. But I just see a big disconnect in the team right now. I'd like to know your thoughts. It's a fair point. And on Bear Alexander, you have to talk about the two 15-yard penalties because they were so costly. If you take those away, I know you can't, but just work with me if you do. He had an awesome game against Utah. The fourth down stop was him. If he didn't have that late hit, that would have been a third and goal for Utah. And then the targeting, of course, led to the point. So you have to take the whole thing. But man, oh, man, those two mistakes, it's too bad they outweigh such a good performance because he was great. But I, I hear what the caller saying. Who are they recruiting in the 
2023 or 2024 class that's going to plug up the middle on the inside. I don't see a name there. I imagine they'll have to continue to rely on the transfer portal in that fashion. And Ryan, we've talked about it in the past, USC with their recruiting tactics. Why aren't they getting, especially in 2024 right now, five stars? I don't think they have any, a few four stars, but they just don't have one or two guys who you're like, okay, an ass and seat kind of guy with all due respect. You know what I mean? It, like Zachariah Branch, Malachi Nelson, five-star recruits that fans, they're excited about them the whole time they're at USC, even if for whatever reason they don't get on the field. Well, wait, we still got this guy. And, and right. that provides a fan base with excitement. I don't know if you have that in 2024, especially on the interior of the defensive line. It's a great point by the caller. And, and I have the same questions. Yeah, no, for sure. And like the, the Corey Foreman's of the world, you still talk about them no matter what, yeah, just because they, exactly. they were ranked so high. So you're going to get uh, people talking about them. Um, let's see. We, this is a, this is actual long one from Dave, uh, email. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for your podcast. Last week, Connor and Jack were aghast that fans were questioning Lincoln Riley's abilities. Uh, they just couldn't understand why some fans felt that way. Can you understand now? Those of us who questioned the direction of the program were simply reflecting on what we saw with our own eyes. How can you bet on the Trojans to cover the spread? Uh, <laughs> like I did. Uh, you're, it shows that you're ignoring your frontal cortex and letting your, uh, yeah, Abugamdala rule the day. <laughs> That's right. I think I got that right. Uh, Coach Riley is consistently outcoached. I mean, I would disagree with that, but teams with lesser talent either beat the Trojans or make games closer than they should. The Trojans constantly make walk-on quarterbacks or third stringers look fantastic. He's consistently out-recruited. SoCal talent is leaving the region in droves. The transfer portal is a band-aid at best. Not a long-term solution for line play in particular. Lincoln does not show enough dedication to the entire team, but rather concentrates on the offense and Caleb. Coach Riley gets defensive when uh, sensible critics of the team are, or critiques of the team are raised. His teams constantly make the same errors, giving up chunk gains on crucial third down and long situations. For example, Riley's teams are not physical enough. He will win plenty of games, but unless he changes, we will consistently we. Well, we will never consistently compete for national championships. He's 0-3 versus Kyle Whittingham. Who's the better coach from Dave? A lot of stuff there. It's like, Fair I love all that. He's going to win a lot of games, though. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so he's got to do something right if he's winning a lot of games. The, the beginning of the email, totally fair. Jack and I both picking USC to cover on the show and just talking about how we believe that they could pull a good performance out of their rear ends after not having won the last couple weeks. Sorry for buying in. That was wrong, and I I agree. In the big picture, though, I, I just you have to believe that a guy who's had so much success will change. Oklahoma fans, if there are any out there listening to this, will say he never changed. He is who he is, and we tried to warn you that he wasn't good. I just believe that a coach who is as smart as Lincoln Riley and as talented as he is is going to learn from this season and adapt going forward. If not, then I believe in Jen Cohen's ability to – make a decision on what she sees. And if she doesn't see improvement or a guy changing based off a bad season, then maybe a move is there to be made. And I'll be totally wrong with Lincoln Riley, but to totally give up on him right now, I, I think is too far. Does he deserve criticism for this year? How this year has gone? Absolutely. But I think some people are still taking it too far. The criticism of me and Jack, though, totally fair. We got that wrong last week. Oh my week. God. We're just predicting. Uh, no, I know. I know, but <laughs> it's like a the, writing, the writing was on the wall though, that they, they like they hadn't played well in weeks. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm mad at myself. Like I agree with what the guy said, but I'm more mad at myself for making that pick. Yeah, it wasn't a good pick, but whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like you know. Yeah. Um. 
But you okay. know what I mean? Like, I, 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 if you fire Riley, I just everyone go get Kalen DeBoer. Go get Kalen DeBoer. Can we see what Kalen DeBoer looks like without a quarterback next year? Can can we allow him to you know, give him some time to maybe make a mistake? Like, I, I, I think the jury's out on or not out on him yet. You know what I mean? I, I want to see see more from him. He's just not some guaranteed success. I, I think you have a better chance with Riley still. People might hate to hear that, but that's how I feel. I, yeah, it's just, oh my God, like some of the stuff that just like, oh no, it's not going to work. I mean, there's still a resume for someone that's been yeah. a head coach for like seven years. Like he's done a lot. He's accomplished a lot in the short time frame. If you don't, if you think that's exactly the way it has to be all the time and it can't change. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, you feel like someone like that had figured enough stuff out to win a lot of Heismans and go to playoffs and win conference championships. You kind of figure it out. That was obviously he took over for a legend, an established program that everything was running. Well, he took over at USC where everything was a shit show. So that's a different job, right? Taking over and fixing stuff. He fixed a lot of things pretty early and I think hurt himself by making it, you know, if if he went eight and four last year, then you're like, okay, well that's a good turnaround. But he won 11 games, and they were like, oh, now they're number five in the country. So he kind of screwed himself with the the high expectations, but that's sort of the way it is. But that's the same guy that did all that stuff. So you have a you have a few bad games, and you're just like, no, he's terrible. Like, okay, I don't know what to tell you. John in Oakland, uh, Ryan O'Connor. Wow, this team is a complete waste of time. And Riley's the wrong hire. So if you can see Here where, we go. If you say where this one is going, his reliance on the transfer portal is a total mistake. Bear... Alexander cost them the win. There's a reason a loser <laughs> player is in the portal. Oh, Holy if, cow. If they didn't have Bear Alexander, they wouldn't have been in a position He's to win. Amazing. They would have picked up the fourth down. You would have been out of the game going away without him. <laughs> this is so crazy. I'm done with them. Too depressing to care about. 100% that USC football next year is last in the Big Ten. Okay, I, that, One of the things I really do love is like things aren't going quite well. And you're like, Cal's going to beat them 100 to nothing. Like, okay, you've never watched Cal. And like, if you think they're going to finish last in the Big Ten, you've never watched Big Ten football. Um, Riley will make Helton look like the smart hire. Now, this is getting Jeez. really insane. Uh, USC is now a national media joke of a college football team. No coming back with upcoming losses to Oregon, Washington, and UCLA. Maybe Cal too. Spending $100 million on Riley is a huge mistake. I love when they talk about money. Like, that's literally the going rate for a, a, a head coach right now. So... Uh, High-level head coach, that's what you're going to pay, if he works or not. New athletic director Jed Cohen has a major decision ahead. Fire Riley and find a real head coach that's worth $10 million a year. Done with his team, coaching staff, carpet-bagging, transfer portal players, and caring about USC football, John in Oakland. So my, my gut here is that John in Oakland is a, is a fan of the way college football was and not the way it's going. But if you have a good head coach, he's going to make $10 million a year. If you have a good team, you're going to get guys from the transfer portal. Alabama does it. Georgia does it. Ohio State. Everybody does it. It's just that's the way college football is. And they're going to make money. The players are going to make money. I'm sorry. They're going to make NIL money. My gut here, Connor, is John is not a fan of the way college football is going and sort of taking it out. And USC is sort of like the punching bag for that. Totally agree. The Bear Alexander stuff, too far. He's arguably your best player on defense. Yeah. Most disruptive. Like, I He's the big, biggest yet you got. And Christian Roland Wallace is in the top three. It's between Kalen Bullock, Bear Alexander, and Roland Wallace. Two out of those three are from the portal. So <laughs> everyone hasn't hit. I, I I get it. But you you need the transfer portal. And I, I just think you have to believe that Riley is going to learn from this season. And 
people say, oh, he's going to go to the NFL or whatever. Like, we never know. We can't predict the future. So whatever happens, happens. But a good coach adapts, and I believe he will. Yeah. Uh, Well, since we're on the, like, fire Lincoln Riley, I believe this voicemail has something to do with that, too. So if you don't want to hear me talking about it, let's hear somebody else talking about it. Hi, Ryan. Long-time listener. I've been calling for a while now. And I told you about three weeks ago, FC was going to lose four games. Well, they've got Oregon and Washington left. This has been a terrible amount of pressure on the offense to try to come through for the defense. Bear Alexander is frustrated because the defensive scheme is so bad, he feels like he's got to carry the team themselves. The offense feels like they have to actually score over 30 points per game to win, which is a lot of pressure on them. I'm an attorney, CPA, wealth advisor. I advise 75 companies per month. That's my job. If I was advising SC and your coach is getting paid $10 million and is doing a third of their job, one-third, he's an offensive guru, terrible on defense for 10 years, terrible on special teams for 10 years, I would fire him. And I would also get rid of Fold too, Carol Fold, because guess what? People don't go to the game anymore because they knew this was going to happen. Everybody knew this was going to happen. That stadium was half full. The only people that didn't know was Lincoln Riley and Carol Fool. Because according to Lincoln Riley, they have a stout defense. Really? Your offense has got to score 30 points and you have a stout defense? Woodingham would have been a better hire for USC. It would have been one-third of the cost. And he's beat him four times in a row. It's enough already. It's enough. The board of directors at USC have to get it together because this is pathetic. Man. Uh, is eight and four that bad? I'm stealing a quote from or a point from Jack. This year it probably is, but in the grand scheme of things, if eight and four is one of your bad years, fine. I don't know. I I, I feel like annoyed about this take that I just you know believe in Lincoln, believe in Lincoln when there's so much reason to doubt him these last couple of weeks. I I just disagree with everyone wanting to make drastic changes. That that's you're, he wants to fire the president. Yeah, you're so poorly run if if you try to make those changes, and people are just so quick to react. I believe Lincoln Riley can change, and he's going to have to do it now. But that's my prediction. That I think maybe hey, you know, next year, no one's really that excited about next season. Who are the big recruits? Who's the quarterback? They overachieved the first year, underachieved this year. Who's to say they won't overachieve next year? I I don't know. F- moving on from him makes no sense to me, and that guy seems to have a. Lot of financial sense, but I don't know. I don't know. That. Does firing him getting, help you financially? I don't think so. Yeah, like that's. I don't think like people care about the money or whatever. It's like you you signed yeah, a deal with the money. Big Ten. Yeah, it's not your money. You're going to the Big Ten, making a lot of money. You couldn't get Kyle Whittingham for a third of the price. First of all, you'd have to pay him a boatload to get here. He wouldn't want to come to L.A. That's not his deal. Like every coach doesn't work in every environment, but that's not going to work. Like he, you know, you would not get Kyle Whittingham to come to USC for three point three million. Like that's just not realistic so um yeah this the expectations from four and eight to now if to 11 and three just were raised so much i think it did hurt uh lincoln riley if you're gonna have sort of a about a bad year um with david woods like called it like the dead cat bounce or whatever like you're just you need like a steady build would have been better. Like if you're like, and there, I know there was a bunch of Oklahoma fans that were coming on and stuff. They were terrible last year, but like, Oh, if they have a really good year, you don't mind, 
year one being sort of like crappy and not make, you know, whatever, having a losing record. If you can like win the big 12 the next year, USC sort of almost did it in reverse. And I think that uh, didn't really help. Um, plus you have, you know, the Randy Heidman trophy winner coming back and all that. But I, I would say like, I think fans were so used to just like USC football is not playing well fire the head coach. And that was just like the mentality for like eight years and no one did it. So like, that's probably still like in your mind, like still fire the head coach. Like, well, maybe not, maybe you don't want to fire this one, <laughs> but there's a, I mean, it's, it's baffling to me, but there's definitely a portion of the fan base. Does. I'm not saying Lincoln Riley's going to work out. You're going to win national championships. Um, you certainly weren't going to under Clay Helton. I think the administration did the best job they possibly could do hiring the first Blue blood, you know, to a blue blood from a blue blood in like 30 years. It just hadn't happened. And then, you know, soon afterwards, Brian Kelly goes to LSU from Notre Dame. So it happened twice, but it really hadn't happened in decades. So, and like, if Chip Kelly doesn't work out at UCLA, he was a hot commodity when they hired him. They're like, you got to bring him in. Give him credit. Like they, I think they did, you know, they took him a while to get going and they're, they're going better it took now. It took too long. It took too long. Like that was a slow build, but I don't criticized the hire because it's like he was the hot commodity right at the time. Lincoln Riley like was someone that wasn't even, you know, he was unachievable and you got him. I think you just have to give him a chance. Like he did some really great things in year one. They're looking kind of shitty in year two for parts of this or a lot of it. But I would still, it's not to the point where I'm like, it's not going to work. Like we've seen some greatness already in the first, you know, 20 games or whatever he's been around USC. So I, if you just want to just like, oh, no, it's over. Uh, I don't know, man. I I don't think anybody would work for you if that's, you know, you, you got to be good right away. They were really good. They've fallen off a little bit, but it, I'm not ready to jump out, you know, jump off the bandwagon and say, oh, that he's not a very good head coach, despite all of the success he's had in his short head coaching career. They've never lost to an unranked team. The teams that they should beat, they've beaten. And people say, oh, Tulane, oh, Utah. But just top 25 teams are good. They're tough to beat. And USC, they've lost all five games under Lincoln Riley to top 25 teams. Do you wish that was better? Was the Tulane game awful? Was the Utah game awful last week? Yeah, but it's not like they're losing to teams who are unranked, who, who they shouldn't be losing to. They've, they've come close. It, it just, I, I, this every week, Ryan turns into a defend Lincoln Riley, defend Lincoln Riley. Does he have problems with his defense? Absolutely. Does he need to make a change there? I think he does because, like I said, the Utah game, you either had it or you didn't. They show that they didn't have it. That was the season. Your defense wasn't good enough. It, it's time to do something different. And if he does make a change, I think that will buy him some more goodwill from the fans. People are upset with him because the defense is so bad. Let's give him a chance to correct it. It hasn't happened as quick as some people would have liked. That's just football. It's not a week-to-week thing. It's a, it's a year-by-year thing. Change can can kind of take some time. And I don't know. People now are just so quick to want to to do something, pull the trigger. And you got to be patient a lot of the time. Yeah. People want Pete Carroll in the chat. And it's like... I mean, the guy's in his seventies. <laughs> you know, it's like he's great. I mean, we love Pete Carroll, but holy cow! Like he's not going back to college. He's going to retire. Great career, college, NFL. And like, like look at look, like look at James Franklin at Penn State. He he won a Rose Bowl last year, but what is he like one and nine or zero oh and nine or something on the road? Against, you know, loses to Ohio State on the road against top ten teams. He is a good coach, but he has his critics. Do you? 
would you want James Franklin? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think you could argue that Lincoln Riley is a more attractive, sexier candidate than than a James Franklin. And James Franklin is a damn good coach. Yeah, Michael in the chat says, uh, imagine if we hired Fickle, Campbell, or Rule. Like, all those guys are struggling, right? Like, none of them are doing great. Um, like, Fickle comes to Washington State, they lose. Uh, you know, Campbell at Iowa State's been, you know, hit or miss. And, uh, you know, Nebraska's still kind of a dumpster fire. Like, those are real candidates. And I believe in rule in the in the long term. Long term, yeah. His first year has been a little dicey. I don't know what he saw in the quarterback that he brought in from Georgia Tech. He wasn't very good. I haven't really even watched much Nebraska the last couple of weeks, so maybe they've made a change there, and, and I have no idea. But your point is right. Last year, having it go so well, and now this year having it not go so well, people say, okay, they, they haven't improved. Maybe it was too much of an ass or too tough to, to ask them to improve. I, I, I think that's wrong, but – you know, just bad things happen. I don't know. It's not always going to be perfect. And you just got to weather the storm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this, understand how bad this team was and the program was and the administration was. A lot of rebuild needed to happen. So it really did set things up by winning 11 games last year. You're like, oh, it's not that hard. Like it, There was still a lot going on. The so. only frustrating thing with that, and I agree with people, like people will say, where was that at the beginning of the season? You know what I mean? What, yeah. what, why were you guys not saying that at the beginning of the season? They've underachieved. That We've said it nonstop. They haven't been as good as they should have been. Lincoln Riley is the head coach. He's the guy in charge of them not being as good as they should be. No one's denying that. But making a change right now, in my opinion, or after the season, makes absolutely no sense. And I don't know why so many people are, are so upset with him. What, did he hurt your feelings with the untrained eye comment? that He made a mistake. Mistakes happen. <laughs> people want David Shaw. Like, holy cow, how bad oh. was he at the end of the thing? He, they went 3-9 and nine and didn't fire a single person. Could you imagine the fire culture around USC right now? Like, they'd want everybody fired. Like, David Shaw brought the entire staff back after they went 3-9. and nine. Like, think about that. You want David Shaw as your head coach? Okay, um, all right, this is another email, of course, long again. This week it appeared like every defensive snap had a player visibly distressed at the snap, frequently Roland Wallace or Gentry, or a player clearly uh, seeking guidance from a teammate as the ball is being snapped. It's certainly not something new, but it felt more consistent on display this week. Is this the case? And if so, is it justified by the personnel changes or is it just... Um, the scheme is too complicated. I've been reluctant to hop on the quote fire Grinch bandwagon, but this felt like the most obvious pre-snap confusion I've maybe ever seen watching football. How are they not keyed in and sure of their assignments after watching what Utah did to Cal last week, allowing 34 points to a converted safety and a backup quarterback. That's like third string quarterback though. Just doesn't feel right yet. Lincoln and Grinch speak with confidence every week that it's going to be fine. I'm just at a loss for justification I guess at this point, sorry for the question turning into a bit of a rant in this second paragraph. I won't even get into trying to comprehend Braylon Shelby playing cornerback all night because I, at least I think he's doing his assignment. RIP. Feel free to only read out the first paragraph. This is too long, too late. Uh, thanks for everything you guys do. Best Garrett from Boston now, previous, previously from Ann Arbor. And he says, P.S. I'm hoping Shotgun's weekly film study can help uh, comment on whether it really was worse last night than the past seven games, or my eyes are just looking for validation in a narrative that the Grinch scheme is just too complicated. The stuff about the increased confusion, I noticed that too. Damani Jackson, Roland Wallace, 
being like, what the heck? And maybe people didn't see it if you weren't at the game, if it wasn't on the screen. I, I don't know if you could see it on TV, but they were like flipping out, like going like this to the sideline, like what's the play? What's the play? And it all stems back to Alex Grinch is similar to Lincoln Riley. They try to get the perfect play and they change the play a lot. Mason Cobb called it playing some offense on defense, how they change the play. So that's all it is, not knowing what the call is. And is the defense too confusing? Potentially, but why the guys are freaking out so much is because they aren't 100% sure what the play is, and that's a big issue. So I, I think that emailer was spot on. The increased confusion, I noticed it too. It was funny. A lot of times it was the cornerbacks having that confusion, and they ended up covering their guys fine on those plays. But it, it's that. It, it's them changing the play too much and, and people not knowing exactly where to be. And, I mean, you let up a season-high points to Utah. You wonder why that happens. That's a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. Um we had someone in the chat talking about that we're fools about David Shaw, that he had David Shaw had some great success at Stanford. Took over for uh Jim Harbaugh, kept it rolling. I don't and a lot of people feel that Shaw just benefited from Harbaugh. I mean, sure, but he kept it going longer than like Harbaugh's guys were there. But college football changed and David Shaw and Stanford did not. And once, you know, we saw Brian Kelly reinvent himself. That team went four and eight. He fired everybody, brought in new people, and they went to a playoff. David Shaw went three and nine and didn't fire a single person. And they were doing the same thing again and didn't want it again. And basically was like forced out of there. So, yeah, I mean, David Shaw was great for a while, but then he wasn't. And he didn't adapt to the way college football was changing. Um, so yeah, I think that's on him and USC just needs to recruit better. They need to consistently be in the top 10 every year and maybe even top five. Remember when Georgia, they hadn't won yet, but they were knocking on the door and people would say, Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Cause they're recruiting at such a high level. That's the way to do it. Lincoln Riley can coach quarterbacks really well and, and, and coach offense. But if USC isn't doing what it needs to do to get these top players in, then it's not really Lincoln Riley's fault that they might not be playing at the highest level. And I think that's a big part of things too. People don't want to talk about the recruiting. They just want to talk about what they see on the field with Riley, which is fair, but they got to recruit better too. Yeah. Uh, one last email. We'll get to some chat questions. Brennan. Hello chaps. I, I get it. Uh, this team is underperforming compared to expectations, but it's beyond annoying seeing people enjoy being right about the team losing. We already get spammed with salty Oklahoma fans. We don't need our own fan base spamming it too. Uh, I missed the P during the Hilton years because we all became united. Question. Do you think that Caleb's body language is a sign of arrogance at the end of the game? Or do you think it's just a kid who is tired of trying to will this team to victories that the defense lets him down on? I don't know if arrogance is the right word. Like what? He was on the bench and I know I don't, did he shake hands? I, I, I don't know. You know, we're doing a million things up there in the press box. So, I didn't get a chance to see maybe what people saw at home. I, I think I saw him sitting on the bench and just sort of being frustrated. Is that arrogant that you lost and you're mad? I don't think so. I think it was just frustration more. I forget what the other half of the question was, arrogant or what. But to me, I don't think him being upset after a loss was arrogant. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, there, He normally just kind of sits by himself, right? Like he does. That's I think that's like a common sort of thing that he does. Um, all right, let's get to some YouTube questions. Uh, let's see. Jason says, how long do you think uh, it will take for Lincoln Riley to build this team through recruiting? I look at Julian Lewis as a freshman year if he reclassifies to 2025 and 
he's there, so that's not next season, but the year after, that would be four years of Riley, all of his recruits, the number one recruit in the country if Lewis sticks with it and, and ends up reclassifying. That's the year that I look at. If you're not really got everything rolling that year, that that's a concern. People won't want to hear it. They'll be upset that next year doesn't look good or that this year was a failure. That's fine, but let's call it like it is. Most coaches in these positions, they need a little bit of time, and the number one recruit coming in, that's a really good thing, and I'd be excited about that. Next year I'd be excited about too. You know, you never know what could happen, but that's the real year, I think, that first year with Julian Lewis when it should be all Lincoln Riley's guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, George says, let me get his question. Uh, while you can't watch practice beyond stretching, how will coaching work with Lincoln at home, Dennis Simmons as acting head coach, and Cliff Kingsbury added as an assistant coach? Well, they didn't really tell us too much, but I think it'll be very similar. I don't know exactly what Riley does outside of when they go live and he's calling the plays, but like when they're break broken up in their position stuff, a lot of times he's over with the offense and it's just the quarterbacks warming up, throwing to the receivers, and then we have to leave. So I don't know what Riley does during the nitty-gritty times of practice, but everyone else will just be doing what they usually do, in, in my opinion, and maybe when they need a head coach, Simmons will – call the plays or whoever's calling the plays will call the plays. That's the only question I have is who calling the play or who calls the plays during the live periods. Yeah. That's uh, not sure about everything that. else will be the same. Right. Uh, and some of it's can be scripted and there's just like, here's just what the plays are. And that's what we're doing. Um, Cam wrote in and says, do you think Simmons was kind of smug answering questions yesterday? Guy laughed after every question. <laughs> no, that's just, that's his is. personality. Yeah. Not I don't smug. think it's smug. I, I don't think, he wants to be doing it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, okay, you're, um, you know, if you're like, you're on a jury, you probably didn't want jury duty, but you went, you got the notice. You don't want to like get arrested or something and you show up and you're like, definitely don't want to get on a trial, but you get picked on a trial and you try to like get out of it. He is getting paid a lot though. He's getting paid a lot. <laughs> but then you're like, the oh, you got to be the jury foreman. And you're like, all right. And the jury foreman, you're like, they read their verdict or whatever after all this stuff. And they don't look that enthused. They probably don't want to be there. I don't think he wants to be there. I think he wants to get paid to be a receiver's coach. I don't think he wants to have to like answer questions about head coaching stuff. Cause that's, that's not his deal. That's, that's my guess. I agree. And I don't think smug is the right way. He's, he's just a man of few words. And sometimes answering questions from media people like us can be kind of funny. So I, you know, I, I don't think he was smug. Uh, yeah. Hold on. We got one. There was one. I think we've got one of our Oklahoma fans in here. I will put this in. Um, we told you about Lincoln Riley. Huh? Sooner devil for that caller. Sooner fans aren't salty. We're happy. The three amigos are gone. Uh, and to be fair, I've known a lot of Sooner people over the years, even from back in the Orange Bowl day. Just really like the people I've interacted with. I know the guys over at Sooner Scoop really well. I've worked with them back in Rivals and stuff. You're here. That's the problem. Why are you on a USC football message board or why are you on a USC football video? We're talking about the USC team. If you're not salty or you're not bitter, you wouldn't. Be, you just wouldn't be here. You'd be like, fine. You have a good team. Like, I'd be learning about my own team and not like, see, I told you so kind of stuff. That's what I don't quite get. Yeah, Oklahoma um, fans say that they warned USC fans that Riley wasn't that good and that they weren't that mad when he left. They were just mad that he took Caleb Williams and Mario Williams, I guess. But 
they were so mad. Why were they mad? Because he was a good coach. Yes, that's uh, that's the thing. Like I think I think it's just like it's been two years. Like it's time to like. Brent Venables had a bad first year. He's having a really good second year. They're recruiting really well. Like that's what you want. You want to like bounce back. And you hired an assistant that had never been a head coach, so there's a risk there. And it looks like so far it's doing really well. I if you. If you weren't bitter, then you wouldn't. Be, you would just be focused on your team. And I think it's kind of an LA attitude too. Like people don't go like beat Arizona. They don't say like you know. They say beat LA. It was just because everyone's focused on LA or whatever. So you want to be focused here. They don't focus on other people. So like if the Lakers don't win, they don't really care who wins. You know, it's just it's sort of like that attitude of like, eh, it's you're just kind of focused on yourself. And I, I feel like Oklahoma fans. It's been two years. Like. You're doing the team's doing great. Focus on yourself. Like that's good. Like if if Lincoln Riley wins a national championship or goes 0 and 12, who gives a crap? Like you have a good team. Like just you know, I, that's what I don't get. Whatever. I don't. I don't get it either. Like we warned you that he wasn't bad. Then why did everyone get so upset when he left? Because he took Caleb Williams. Is that the only reason? No, because he was a good coach and he'd done a good job there. The last year at Oklahoma wasn't as good as the ones in years past, but. People were so frustrated and angry. Why? Because they lost the good coach at their favorite team. Yeah. Uh, okay. Kurt says, why do you think the passing game has been out of sync since the bye week? It's a great question. Uh, it's hard A little to bit say. offensive line, a little bit defenses realizing that they can play man-to-man because the receivers had a little trouble against man-to-man getting open. So I think part scheme, part offensive line, part – just the tape overall, people realizing that Lincoln Riley has these sort of tendencies as a play caller. I, I think it's a whole bunch of reasons. And, and maybe partially the receivers being a touch overrated. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but they don't have a true number one receiver. And it was a lot easier when they were playing bad teams. And it's a lot harder now that they're playing good teams. What does that mean? Maybe the talent isn't quite as good as a lot of us thought. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got a couple more. We'll get out of here. Dave says, uh, what is your takeaway from Grinch claiming the on film part? Uh, is he clueless, lying, ignorant, or all of the above? What was the question uh, about? So when he when when the on film stuff, like we didn't see that on film. Oh, uh huh. I I think the main part what he was talking about was like they're lining up in this defense. I, I yeah. You're sorry, playing sorry, the percentages, yeah. right? Like you're playing. You know, maybe they'll see that we have that Shelby's responsibility is going to be on your running back, but they'd have to run a wheel route to to beat it. But they did, and they did it more than once. So, for in his mind, it was more playing percentages. I feel like that's what it was more than just like the film part. I think too, what he meant was maybe the formations that they had they had run on film based on what we had seen in the past, not the wheel route stuff. That's that's all I can imagine. You know what I mean, Ryan? Like. If they have this formation out there, then they're going to do a run play. And then against USC, they did the same formation, but it was a pass play. I have to imagine that they saw the wheel route on film from the week before. And I have to imagine that they saw Barnes running on film from the week before because he did. So maybe it just had to do with their alignment and what they did on the alignment was different week to week. If that's not it, then you're in a lot of trouble. Either way, you're in a lot of trouble. That would be my rationale kind of sticking up for Grinch a little bit, but no matter what, the quotes were not very good and no, pretty damning. They they weren't uh they were not very good. Um Gary says, I think Oklahoma fans feel like a jilted lover. I don't want him. 
but you can't have them. Um, it's one of those things. I did a, a piece last year and I, I asked RJ about it. I'm like, oh, I forgot I did that one. It was called Orbiting the X's. Because USC had so many X's out there, you know, like Clay Helton was gone, all the staff was gone, a lot of the players were gone. They had multiple quarterbacks, different places. So I would do a story every week on how did they do, you know, like oh Georgia Southern beat Nebraska. This was a big, you know, big win. So it's kind of orbiting the X's, just sort of like a year of like, hey, where are these former USC people going? But I think if if you go to therapy, like if if your girlfriend breaks up with you or your boyfriend breaks up with you or whoever your partner breaks up with you, it's tough, you know it. it things to go through. But if it's like two years later, the therapist is going to tell you like, you have to move on. Like you're, you're already married. Like you remarried that you have this great partner again. So you don't need to worry about the, the ex anymore. So I, that's, that would be my advice, but you know, that's just me. Amateur uh, psychologist. One last one from cam. Do you guys think the play calls, especially on defense are too complex for the players to understand? And therefore they can't play quickly and therefore they make mistakes. Maybe I think the scheme asks a lot of the linebackers and they've had some issues. I just think it's a whole host of things. Trying to be so aggressive can lead yourself to holes and the wheel route. Alex Grinch saying we want to be aggressive and we're playing the percentages and then Utah dials up a play that works perfect against an aggressive defense. You're kind of telling on yourself a little bit when Alex Grinch on Trojans Live a couple months ago says our run defense should look like blitz. Okay, then a play-action pass you're susceptible against. And, of course, defense is a lot harder than I'm making it out to be, but I, I don't think it's being too complicated. I think that's part of it, but it's not the only reason or maybe not even the biggest reason. There's a lot of problems. Yeah, there's a lot of issues there. Uh, okay, well, that was a lot. My voice is pretty much shot from re- – there were so many long emails. There was a yeah, lot. Yeah, you had a lot of reading today. I should share those. I should – like you can read some of them or something. That's good. Um, that's that's true. That would be a good idea. That's okay. Uh, I don't mind doing them, but whatever. Uh, there was a lot. Thanks for the voicemails. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for everyone uh, playing in the chat. Um, yeah, we had like 275 people in the chat. Like that's pretty cool. Uh, thanks for like joining us and uh, hanging out. And talking some USC football. Connor's going to go out to practice and we'll see. Check his Twitter for uh, updates on if Lincoln Riley is going to be there or not. And we will all be up in the Bay Area. I was contemplating not going to this game, but it's like I might as well just go to every game this year. Plus, it's on Pac-12 Network. I don't get Pac-12 Network, so might as well go. Um, But yeah, we'll be up there giving you all the coverage uh, from USC football. Uh, dot com, of course, and uh, we do appreciate you f- checking out our YouTube channel. We'll try to put up, haven't put up as many videos after games because we haven't had players <laughs> available. Um, but we'll put a player, you know, videos of all the players that we get to interview through practice, and then hopefully after the Cal game, we'll get to hear some players because we don't, wouldn't really uh, get that recently. But um, for Connor Morissette, uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. If it seems like the crew at your neighborhood Trader Joe's is having fun, it's probably because we are. And now we're having fun on a podcast, too, called Inside Trader Joe's. Let's talk about what makes Trader Joe's Trader Joe's. The products, the customers, the crew. Why is everybody so nice? Because they are. Because they are. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. And thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. 
Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 